0: If I, I was at a SaaS company today and I was I was tasked with building out a, a community, I would go look deep into my, my current customer base. And hopefully if you're doing something right, you have about 20 um, really big champions. They love your product. Their product usage is through the roof. They organically already talk about you on social media and you go to them and you put them on a pedestal. Hey, everyone. I'm Joel Premack, the host
1: of the Community-Led Growth Show. And today I'm joined by Scott Barker, Director of Strategic Engagement at Outreach and Co-Founder and Venture Partner at GTM Fund. Thank you so much for being on the show, Scott.
0: Thanks for having me, Joel.
1: Yeah. Well, starting off with your time at Sales Hacker and Outreach Now, what have you learned by building community? Because I know that that was a critical component of Sales Hacker, and then how has it evolved now that you're part of Outreach?
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a, a great question, and a lot of a lot of places I could take that one. Um, learnings. So just to kind of uh, set the the frame for for listeners. So Sales Hacker was or is. Uh, one of the largest communities for sales professionals. So we've got about, I think last I heard, about seventy thousand uh, community members um, that tune into like our newsletter, our webinars, uh, come to our events, and then we've got like an interactive community layer that has about twenty thousand uh, on kind of like a Reddit-style uh, platform. Um, the learnings over the years. So I joined uh, Sales Hacker back in, I believe it was early 20, 2017 um, to run revenue and, and partnerships. And I guess uh, part of the learnings was when I joined, it was very much a, In the, the community lived at almost conferences. So we had, we, we the digital stuff was almost to um, keep, the buzz going for the next conference, right? We used to do big conferences down in San Francisco. We did one in London and in New York. Um, and that was awesome. It was, it was incredible to actually get, you know, thousands of, of sellers and revenue leaders together in conferences. Um, but the world changes. And I guess we were lucky that um, when I was brought on board, we did make a conscious effort to Switch over to like a digital first model, and thank goodness, because you know we didn't know COVID was coming and all this, but um, we wanted to see if hey, could a, a digital community thrive as much as we felt like it did at the conferences um, in a, a digital format? And you know, back in 2017, a lot of folks weren't weren't thinking that way. You know, community led growth is now a thing, and HubSpot bought the Hustle, Outreach bought Sales Hacker, and you, you see more and more of this this stuff and then the rise of Revenue Collective, now Pavilion, seems like everyone's got a community now. Um, but back then it, it wasn't that common. Um, and it was very interesting to try and explore like what actually is a community? Can a community just be a subscriber list to a, a newsletter? Uh, is a community the people that attend your, your digital events? Uh, is it a Slack channel? Like what is that? And I think you know, a community is, is folks that share values together, that see the, the benefit of having um, extra kind of nodes in a network that they can quickly rely on to get answers that are maybe ungoogleable. Um, and so we kind of had our community in a lot of different areas. We even had a LinkedIn group until they sunset that, <laughs> that feature. Um, but I think if you give people an identity, uh, that is really what makes a community, you know, and people that are part of that community are, are a collective sum of people that identify with what your community kind of stands for. Um, and for us, that's, you know, we call it revenue innovators, people that are doing, you know, hacky things or doing, ex- running a lot of experiments, they're data driven. Uh, they are not making decisions on gut and instinct. They're using technology to drive revenue and pipeline. Um, but that was one of the learnings: was this idea of it doesn't really matter where your community is; it can live in a lot of different areas. Um, but you know, when we look at digital communities, it's really about that shared identity and and how do you create that? Um, and I'll I'll pause there because that was a bit of a monologue.
1: No, it was great. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly with the idea of people have to have the sense of belonging to feel connected to the community to then stay engaged with it. And then from the community side, they'll continue to see value from that connection to other people, the content, the learnings, and the overall experience. So I think your monologue did a perfect job of summarizing that. kind of transitioning to a slightly different twist on that. Now that you guys are part of Outreach um, officially now for a couple of years now, how has Outreach specifically benefited, I guess, from the acquisition of Sales Hacker? Because you already mentioned HubSpot buying the hustle. I more so think that they copied you guys because you guys kind of did it first. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how has that really accelerated the growth of the sales engagement category, and any other ways that you guys have realized the growth and expansion
0: of outreach? Yeah, for sure, it's a it's a great question, and I'm of course biased coming from the the sales hacker side. I I, I spend a lot more time on kind of the, the outreach side now, um, which is is very much blended, so that's not really two two sides anymore. But. Um, it's it's hard to quantify the, the impact. So we, when the initial acquisition happened, um, you know, we had a very strong um, impact on the marketing organization right away. So the CEO, Max Altshuler actually joined as the, the VP of marketing. Um, and so community was a red thread through everything we were doing. Um, and, I guess one of the, the beautiful things about community is, you know, when you have a separate entity media company community, that entity can go out and basically grow your TAM, right? Because there are, in, in our example, and, and you can extrapolate this to, to whatever industry you're in, um, but you can go and we know at Outreach. That if people are using modern sales best practices and tactics, that over time, as they go through that journey, eventually one step in that journey is going to be okay, we need to bring on technology that's above and beyond our CRM. Um, so by us going out into the market and teaching people how to be revenue innovators, teaching people how to push the boundaries, teaching some of these legacy industries, you know call it finance, call it, uh, you know, insurance, some of these slower adopters, what some of these hyper-growth companies are doing, that's naturally going to get people leaning into, say, the sales engagement category, which, of course, you know, benefits outreach. So that was one of the big things was, okay, we can we can actually grow the total addressable market uh, faster than outreach can do from their marketing efforts because, I think people are a little more leery now of marketing from companies and organizations. People kind of, you know, they probably always did um, past the '70s, but it, it's it's just so obvious what what you want, right? The, the exchange is you're going to give me some some information, and you're going to hope I'm going to buy your product with community. It's it's a lot more nuanced than that, you know. It's it's not the transaction isn't so so obvious, and it's it's not even a transaction. It's def- it's leading with true trying to help. So that was that was one. Another interesting thing that um, folks might be surprised about is uh, sales hacker still uh, pays for itself. It is a it's a profitable business within um, within outreach. And actually, kicks off some some cash to help with marketing budget, with increased marketing budget. So, an interesting thing about creating a community is, when you have people that are coming to learn with an open mind, you can bring on partners that are complementary to your product or service. You know, not competitive, um, and they will pay to plug into that that audience. It's just as valuable to them as it is to to outreach. So. We can do things like, like sponsoring podcasts, webinars, events. Um, and we're able to recoup some of those those costs. And it's a really fair trade because the the partners you know, get a, an incredible demand gen funnel, which helps them close close business themselves. So that was another really interesting thing. And we were able to bring some of those learnings and apply them to their outreaches on leash conference and turn that in from a, a cost center into a revenue generator. Um, so that was uh, another interesting thing, kind of peek behind the curtains uh, a little bit. Um, and you know, I guess the third thing, and I could probably go on and on, but the the third thing is just like being able to keep an ear to what your um, your your personas are thinking about, right? In the community, there's an open forum for discussion, so you can test ideas. The feedback loop um, on potential new products, um, positioning, messaging is much, much tighter um, than it would be without a community. But those are those are a few ways we've seen kind of a direct impact. Wow. I definitely did not know that Sales Hacker
1: was still profitable, or like was mm-hmm. profitable and even goes back into the greater marketing budget of outreach. That is Big learning. So, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Um, sure. Kind of on that same note, you touched on this a little bit, but I'd just be curious from your perspective of early days sales hacker and bringing that knowledge into outreach now. How have you found it's best to structure partnerships to kind of help those who may be just starting off with they may have a community, but they don't know exactly the what or the how? to structure great partnerships for the long run, for their mm-hmm. events, for their community, for different types of content?
0: Yeah, really good question. Um, and the, the short answer is kind of, the partnerships is an ambiguous word and it means probably 10 different things to 10 different people. Um, and so within partnerships, there are, there should be folks that are that are focused on different objectives you can't just have one or two blanket partnership people you know depending on the size of your organization but for us it was a little bit about separating church and state so we do have a different like um, someone focused on the community and and sponsorships uh, partnership angle and then there's the angle of technology partnerships with integrations with with outreach um, you know and then there's you know, the reseller partnerships and the ISVs and that that's different uh, as well. So I think one of the like broad downfalls of a lot of partner programs is their, their objective is a little ambiguous. Um, and in my experience, you need to either have multiple partner people in your organization or, you know, pick one. Like, what what do you what do you want this person to do? Do you want them focused on community and content and sponsorships, or do you want them setting up with, you know, integrations and build, you know, a a, a long suite of integration partners? Because that's a very different skill set. Uh, one requires more, I would say, like sales and marketing brain, and, and one has to be a little bit more technical. Um, so that was, I guess, one of the the learnings that that we've had and yeah, one, one thing that I will kind of sneak in there is um, there's this incredible like symbiotic relationship that happens both with partners, thought leaders, influencers and basically the trade that Sales Hacker made for many, many years leading up to the acquisition and still now is, is giving partners and people visibility and credibility. that's what we would give them. Um, and in exchange we get growth because they are going out and they are you know sharing the talk they just gave sharing with their their partners with their customers, their prospects. So our community grows and they get visibility and credibility. So I think that is one of the basic tenets or principles of, of community is, is that trade and, and how often how frequent can you make that trade? And who do you want to be making that trade with?
1: That's a great point. And your hand gesture just perfectly showed it. It's a flywheel. Exactly. It it's a flywheel for them. It's a flywheel for the community. So yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, going into last question, before we head into your other role mm-hmm. would be for a SaaS company just starting out with community Maybe it's a GTM fun community, who knows? Mm-hmm. Where would you say is the best place to start? Do you start on the content and really attracting the audience to figure out your personas first? Do you figure out who those strategic partners on the more content um, sponsorship side would be to then help you guys collectively build that community? Or where would you say from your experience that they should begin?
0: Yeah, it's a really great uh, another great question. I think that there's two ways to approach it, and and you see a lot of these um, uh, communities pop up, and they take one of two approaches. You either build a media company first, and then you you bolt on a community, or you build the community first, and then you start serving them media or content assets. Um, you know, perfect example is like you know Pavilion went community first, and now they're laying in content. Uh, sales Hacker. We actually, I would say, went more media first, and then then bolted on um, community. But if I were to build it today, I think you you can build simultaneously, and it's awesome because you can actually get user generated content from your your community. So if I I was at a SaaS company today, and I was I was tasked with building out a a community. I would go look deep into my my current customer base, and hopefully if you're doing something right, you have about 20 um, really big champions. They love your product. Their product usage is through the roof. They organically already talk about you on social media. And you go to them and you put them on a pedestal. I would highlight 20 of them and say, hey, you're you're now the founding members of our community-led growth community. um, And we want, we don't know what this thing is going to be yet, but we want more of you. We want to create more of you because you're awesome, and we learn from you. Um, and you're what drives our product and our business forward. So I want to, I want you to help us build this. Um, and in return, I want to, you know, put you on webinars, put you on podcasts, make you seen as an industry uh, expert across you know all of your peers. Um, so that's what I would, I would start with. I would start with that founding team and let them guide you what it looks like. Um, and that will be your, your original tiger team community. And then you can start spinning off content to generate more top of final people into that, into that community.
1: That's great. And pretty much exactly what we're all about here. Community led growth. So you're listening to the community and letting it kind of lead you into sure. that next step of whatever the Community will really evolve too. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, now we're going to completely shift into GTM fund stuff because I'm really interested in it. And I think that as an outsider looking in, it looks like to me that you guys have essentially built a community for revenue leaders, but it's an investment vehicle for them to invest in early SaaS companies. So why did you guys kind of do it that way in terms of focusing on this audience for this um, space too, and not just here's the space, figuring out your other LPs and partners in the fund?
0: Yeah. Um, so one of the factors, of course, is it's, you know, Max and, and myself, Max is the GP. Um, and we know community pretty well, so by by nature of probably whatever we're going to do, there's going to be a community element to it. Um, when we look at GTM Fund in particular, it it was really a uh, a look at where the the current venture market was at, and and some of the trends we were noticing in the industry, and those those trends were capital was becoming a commodity really fast. Um, Meaning if you had an awesome team and you had an awesome product, people are literally lining up the door to give you cash. I think there's something like 1,100 venture firms now or something. And so you actually like will have, I'm not even kidding you, it's it's a hot deal. You'll have VCs calling you all day saying, please take my million dollars, um, which is crazy to hear. Um, But that's, you know, with the the hottest deals, but with, at the same time, uh, checks were getting bigger, rounds were getting bigger. And we were also seeing that founders, of course, they were accepting these big valuations, but they were getting a little bit, uh, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but they were wanting more strategic people on board. Uh, when you accept a lot of money, that also means you have crazier growth projections that you have to hit, uh, and that is, is, is scary, uh, particularly with product focused founders or technical founders who don't have the um, the experience uh, scaling really quickly. you know they're they're brilliant, they are they're builders but maybe haven't built like a, a really true scalable you know go to market strategy yet. Um, and so we were seeing venture kind of become this barbell. And so on one side, you had the Tigers, Sequoias, uh, Andreessen's of the world who are flooding the market with, with cash. Um, and then on the other side, we were seeing these like niche funds pop up, um, you know, and there's a lot of great ones, you know, Founders Fund. And there's, I can't remember, but there's a, a, a product uh, kind of like growth one, I believe. Uh, and then GTM Fund. And, and we thought, hey, could we be, Kind of the go-to niche for when you want go-to-market expertise and knowledge, then you bring in you know GTM fund to your round. Um, and you know, fast forward to today, that hypothesis has certainly been proven correct um, by nature of just the the caliber of deals that we're able to get into, uh, because we're finding founders actually reaching out to us or even other firms. Uh, really well-known, incredible firms bringing us into deals because they know that, you know, with our 136 LPs, we got, you know, CRO of Square, CMO of Gong, these incredible people who have been there, done that, the chance of their success actually goes up. So um, that was a little bit about it. And then we quickly... Uh, realized that we were actually building a product. And and what that product was, was the flow of information from our LPs brains to the founding team and the executive team at that founder. And so that that product is constantly evolving, but a big part of that product is community. We have a Slack channel that, you know, our founders can get ungoogleable answers. I say that you couldn't get anywhere else. Our LPs are constantly talking to each other, we now get a ton of deal flow from our LP base. Um, you know, we're able to do due diligence through our LP base. Um, we do monthly go-to market sessions with our founders, uh, where our LPS can uh, share their knowledge. We help with hiring and and all this stuff. and And really the core tenant, yeah, is is community. it's a It's a group of like-minded folks with a shared identity, you know, going full circle from what we were talking about at the beginning a shared identity who are passionate about helping startups grow um, and uh, and investing both with sweat, sweat equ- equity and, and capital.
1: Awesome, well, you also answered my very last question. So <laughs> congratulations, we have wrapped <laughs> up for today. Um, but before we go, I just wanna say again, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. And if people wanna follow or connect with you on social, what are the best channels or handles for them to use to do so?
0: Yeah, so find me on LinkedIn. I'm super active, Scott Barker. Um, Trying to do more on Twitter, Scott B. GTM uh, is the the handle. Uh, And I also just relaunched my uh, newsletter called the the GTM forecast. Uh, So this is the first week back writing. I'm a little rusty, but uh, I talk about basically the best practices of tomorrow, uh, things I'm seeing, trends I'm seeing, so you can try and harness them and run some experiments uh, with your go-to-market team today rather than tomorrow.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Awesome.